Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking bags. Here we are, guys. Post Talladega stacking pennies. Big episode coming up. We have not one. We have two winners on the show. One is a weekly guest, Ryan Flores, changing front tires for the two, who single-handedly got that money line Ford Mustang victory lane. And then the guy who was pushing the buttons, Brad Kozlowski, will be joining us here later. Big show. I'm here with my buddy Jonathan Merriman, a.k.a. Rolling Thunder, a.k.a. Blue Mountain Takes, and Chuck Bush. <laughs> How we doing, gentlemen? Ice cold today. Doing well. I would like to point out that uh, I had a hand, and our camera guy, CJ Letirzo, had a hand in getting the two crew the win as well. Why is that? We were in their pit at the end of the race, like with, uh, I think, uh, right before that last restart. Yep. We were in there, and we were sitting there talking, like, do we stay here, or do we go down to the 12, or do we go to the 21? Like, where do we finish the race? So where'd you go? We ended up in that photographer stand right there at the entrance to uh, the garage in the, in the yeah. pit road open. Yeah. So we were up there, and we didn't get the celebration of the crew, but where Brad did his burnout was right in front of that. So. I mean, you could attribute Penske's success to my consumption of Miller Lite, too. So Mine as well. I mean, I, I have you turned part. up your consumption? No. So what Chuck is – I don't want to move on. <laughs> so what Chuck is saying is you reversed the curse. You were in the twos box – and said, you know what? We're yeah. going to leave. Yeah. I made eye contact with uh, Ryan Flores. Yeah. We had a moment. Did you wink? We did. I was yeah. like, all right, hey, I'm going to go. You guys have got this. So. And lo and behold, <laughs> they got, they the got this. Yeah, they got this. Man. We had a couple interesting. Well, all in all, it was a little bit of an uneventful Talladega race. I will say this much. You look you look pretty styling inside that race car. <laughs> that was the only thing we looked good at. First shot of the in-car camera, which I was watching on, like, the, the backhaul feed, and mm. they just had it set there. I'm like, man, that white on white. It was clean. Clean. Jump we, a school bus. We had, the joy. We had Fox Nation on our car this week. Uh, we had the fire suit was all white. Looked like Evil Knievel had the stars and stripes. Felt super American. Almost looked like I was driving a bald eagle around the racetrack. It was hard. It was almost like the tires weren't even touching the ground. <laughs> In a good way, yeah. unlike the 22. Uh, but we had a good-looking white powder-coated joy of seat and seat in there. <clears throat> we looked good. But our strategy did not pan out for us this week. We generally ride in the back, which is no fun. But seven times out of ten pays off because you usually get a big crash. The last couple speedway races, though, have not had that. It seems like everybody is somewhat content to ride until the end, which makes sense. But it did not pan out because we rode in the back all day, and then when it came time the pay window opened up, we had no track position, and we got we just got stuck and finished twenty second. So I hate days like that. You didn't tear anything up, so yeah. Which you can write home about that. And so we put one in the box. It's great, but we circle Talladega. Like Talladega is a shot you get up there and run top ten, or even to back into one. Well, you got another. You got another shot late August. You yeah. know, you can make some magic happen to Daytona. You best believe the belts will be pulled tight, cinched down, if you will. They're going to take the reins off you for that one? Probably not, but there's only one guy driving it. <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> Yell at me when I get out? You also, I think you need to give your buddy Brett Griffin a shout-out. Got him a win in the Xfinity Series race. Um. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, was he spotting for Jebediah? Yeah. I think so, yeah. Yep. Now, 
I did not realize I was like last week years old when I realized that Jeb was not like was not Jeb's birth, and it wasn't short for Jebediah. What's his? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm today years old. What is it short Jebediah. for? Jeb is his is his, or is his initials. Yeah, it's like yeah. I don't know. It's J- John, John Edward. Edward. John Edward yeah. Burton. Yeah. So Who uses? So he's their, he's Jeb Junior. Who uses their monogram of what you would see on like a 16 year old's Honda Civic on the back well, window? Sticker technically, it would as be your J-B-E. first name. Huh? If it was a monogram, it'd be JBE because they put the last initial in the middle, which yeah, is that's, dumb. That's yeah, an entirely different but thing. You can't, but I mean, you can't go by Jeb. But he's technically he's Jeb Jr. That is some South Boston, Virginia shit if I've ever heard it. I mean, it it, it stems from some old uh, Southern uh, roots. You've got your uh, James Ewell Brown Stewart. He was – look, he was – he was – I don't know if you watched the race or all, but inside that race car – he was stone faced until he started doing the pace lap, and then yeah. he just started crying like a baby. Got out of the race car, couldn't hardly talk. Well, hey, let's give let yes, yes, round of applause for Jeb Burton because he has worked his butt off. He got an opportunity here with Colin Grayson this year. Probably hasn't started the year as he wanted to. He's had a couple good runs, but finally cracked victory lane. It's cool to see somebody who puts the hard work in and. Uh, delivers for his partners like Jeb does, John Edward. It goes back you, to your your conversation you had with Nemechek about, you know, I mean, Jeb was in a – He was in a cup car. He was he in was a cup BK. car, BK, for, for one year and mm-hmm. came out of a decent truck, went to cup, not yep. so good, fell off the wagon a little bit in terms of opportunities and clawed his way back up there. It's hard, man. It's hard to position yourself to, to figure out what's right or what's wrong. But well, you, you mentioned our, our friend of the show, Brett Griffin, with, with some good takes. <laughs> He had a good weekend, obviously, won the Xfinity race, turned around and run fifth, sixth, rather, with Kaz Gralla. Actually, he might, be able to, he might be able to buy himself a new pair of pajama pants. Maybe so. You know, he <laughs> – does he spot for Jeb every week? Yes. No. no. Yeah, no. I think so. No. I don't think no, so. No, it's, it's – uh, so he and Freddie, I think, are splitting that with Colleg. Oh, where, like a tag team partner. Yeah, like – man. I think partners. He, he in. comes in for the uh, speedways, speedways, and I think you gotta, I saw I mean, that he's he, going to be at Coda. I yeah, think. yeah. I mean, he comes in for the big shows. Yeah, you know, be, he's, I, hey, he's, he's like Hulk Hogan. Guy. He just shows up to WrestleMania. <laughs> That's it. You know, uh, dang it. What was I going to say? Um, I'm sorry. I cut oh, you off. pull the tape on Kaz Gralla, Chuck Bush. Who starts their Cup career with two? T- well, actually, he ran the 500 in DNF, but two out of his <laughs> first three. Yeah, Cup Series starts have been top tens. Another round of applause for Casgrella. Man, Casgrella. Who? I mean, put that guy in a full time car. I mean, he's I don't know where his, he's clawing his way back. You the know. old fashioned way. Yeah, by just putting results out there. That sixteen car was fast. It was leaking gear, gear oil. Gear oil. Gear oil. Ran grease. Ran grease all over the place. Works the whole for James, was, works for James Bond. Works for Kaz Grala. Yeah, it was like an oil slick every every yeah. time I was behind him because he was one of the guys that we were married to. Like that was our little plan, right? It was gonna be the us. It was me, the seven, seventy-seven. Uh, seventy-seven wasn't quite fast enough to keep up. The ninety-nine and the sixteen and the forty-three occasionally, but he was kind of on his own deal. It was gonna be like, all right, guys, we're sticking around. We're riding in the back. When it's, we'll all pit together. That way we don't lose a draft. Uh, and then when it was time to go, I lined up right behind them, and they dropped the rag and that green-white checkered, and the 16 was able to keep her stuffed up in the pack. And the old Fox Nation Chevy Camaro could not quite keep up. 
So I almost had to. I mean, I I just dro- now is it couldn't keep up. Is it one of those things when you have a race like that with as few cautions as we had, where you get into these green flag pit stop runs mm-hmm. and the packs start breaking up because you have your Fords, Fords will pit together, your Chevys will pit together, your Toyotas. Yep. So it breaks everything up, and you end up with three, four different little packs right. for parts of the race. Does that? How does that affect the strategy going into the race, and then how does that affect it during the race? Uh, well, it's actually you're kind of audible on the fly because you want to come down with the most amount of cars possible. So when the Toyotas decide to pit, it usually comes down with the Chevys. So you'll see guys... You can kind of feel guys when they're when they're starting to like creep their way to the bottom because usually the the line gets formed around the top and you're logging laps and then when the window starts creeping in, guys start working to the bottom to get a clear shot. And I had my little bit of pit road woes on that I don't know last green flag pit stop or so when the 47 got spun out. I was towards the back of that pack and I just when I saw the 47 broadside, I was like, let me just keep going. I just stayed in the gas rather than commit to pit road because Odds are you get a caution 95% of the time because he's stuffed in the wall. It never came. So I lost the draft, got hooked up with some others, luckily got a caution, and didn't lose a lap. But, uh, yeah, I, I, there was a bunch of cars that came in, green flag stops, like I we'll talk about earlier or, or later in, in pit road boats and woes. You just cannot get those Speedways cars stopped, dude. They are hard to stop. And then they start wheel hopping real bad. That's why we saw the 11 speed twice on pit road. Um what did what Denny say? And he says, I just can't stop it. Like, yeah. you literally, like, you make as much brake pressure as you possibly can, seven, 800 pounds, and it just does not slow down because the brakes are so damn small on those things. And it's not, it wasn't just Denny. It was also Newman got popped for speeding on pay road and then on his penalty lap came in and got a speeding uh, penalty oh, as well. the 11 and the 6 both. I believe so. I thought, isn't that a pass? Isn't that a, a stop and go? The second time around? I think the second time, the the first one, it's passed through, and then I think the second is a stop. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay, the six got the lucky dog right there at the end. I did notice that. How Uh, about, what's your take on Denny racing so hard to be back on the lead lap? And and ended up getting getting damaged. End up getting damaged when he was in position four. I mean, we're talking about on the last lap, he was in position to be the free pass car. To me, at a place like Talladega, what does it what does it matter if you get I that don't, lap back? I don't know the situation specifically, so I probably don't should, shouldn't speak on it. Because if there's somebody else in the pack that's a lap down, you got to try to stay ahead of that guy, right? And you're always half a half a lap of a run away with the top going or the bottom going to losing your lucky dog spot because a wreck could happen at any moment. So you always want to keep fighting for that lucky dog spot, no matter where you're at. Now, hindsight 2020, you probably should have just raced around who he needed to beat. Well, that I'll say this much: that block from Brad could have won in the race because it stuffed Denny in the fence. Denny was done after that. Yeah, and what that? Which which one are you talking about? The second second wreck. Second wreck. Mm. Where the nineteen got jammed up too. The nineteen, the two came up and cut off the run that the eleven and the nineteen had. The nineteen went to the outside, and Denny had nowhere to go, and he just in the fence you go. Yep, days over. I love how that's the sound that. It's actually the sound it actually makes. It's yeah. just pumping a lot of sound effects just yeah, on the broadcast. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of sound design that goes into a NASCAR race. They're actually silent. Yes. Goes, All the cars are they silent. They are like that Mach-E pace car. 
they they actually are not silent because uh, uh, and it's louder outside the track than it is inside the track. Now, is that one of those cars where you have to like pull it back a couple feet and then it like and then it shoots forward? Do you have to do that with that? Yeah, it's got the little drawstring. Yeah, yeah. Like you give it a couple yanks, and then it goes only for two laps and have to come pull it again. I I tried watching guys. I tried watching a Formula E race the other day. I can't do it. I just can't do it. It's you know the the engine sound adds so much to the experience. They are motors. They are motors in electric cars. Well, I'm talking about the the sound of the engine in yeah. in a NASCAR powered in a NASCAR NASCAR NASFINITY NAS truck right uh, adds so much to the, especially when you're there. I can't imagine being at a Formula E race and just sitting there and be like. Drinking a being, nice, being able to talk to buttery the person Chardonnay <laughs> while they're racing. Oh, and they're side by side. I mean, the tinnitus oh. in my ear, I think, would appreciate it. Like, I wouldn't have that ringing, but well, you but you American. would miss it. You would miss it. You would I miss w- it, dude. The whole like teeth chattering, I love rumble, it. feeling it in your pack. chest. The pack going by at Daytona and Talladega is exhilarating. The, oh. I'll, I'll give you something that's, <laughs> the vibrations that's underrated the car. <laughs> is when they're tuning the cars in the garage area and it's just they're yeah. sitting there just free revving it. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, just, I want to inject it into my veins. Put my face next to the to the boom tube. <laughs> Mar- Blowing Mar- your cheeks away like Mar- a Labrador. just hears a chorus of angels when they crank those up. I just I they, get up to the boom and I scream back at it. God, yeah. they do sound so he good. Wipes. Remember that video? I don't know why I just remembered this. Remember that video, that son of a bitch? This is probably 10 years ago. They were warming the 55 Aaron's car up in, in uh, on throwback. In uh, They were somewhere. And they, you know how they jack the rear of the cars up and they'll just sit there and spin and get the rear, the rear yep. gear warmed up? This guy thought it was a good idea to put his foot and like <laughs> just like touch his toe onto the tire. <laughs> and the tire have you guys seen this YouTube no, video? No. Pull hey, anybody listen to the podcast right now, pause it, go to YouTube, just Google it's like dumbass kicks NASCAR tire. Don't pause it. Open up a new browser. <laughs> Open up a new <laughs> browser and try to find it. Uh, it's like around 2010, and it takes this guy's leg and shoots him out of the screen. <laughs> like, doesn't just like just like get him out of shape. It literally shoots him out of, crew out guy, of screen. Crew guy or not? Uh, yeah, I I had to be. That's even worse. I know. I mean, because the, oh, the, the tire yeah. was probably spinning. It's like a kid on eighty a miles an hour. I kid on a treadmill. It. You know, because <laughs> like, like, yeah, I found oh, it. I'm watching it. it <laughs> give us a hey, give us play by play. All right, so guy goes up. He's looking at the uh, windows, got his hands in his pockets. He's middle-aged his male. There. Uh, no, he's got a – he's wearing it looks like an NWR coat. Okay, so he works there. Yeah, he just kind of put his foot on there and then uh, – Like he does it like twice, right? Yeah, like he, 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 he like, tests it. Like, okay. Oh, and yep, then yep. he goes back, he does it again, <laughs> and then he's gone. <laughs> oh, no, I'm watch hang on, it. hang on. What, what's the title of the video so people can look it up? It is NASCAR, NASCAR MWR. MWR. Pit crew fail. <laughs> oh, okay, guys, gets jacked by oh. spinning tire. It looks oh like my it's, god! It's Daytona or Richmond. I, that's Daytona. It's Daytona. It's Daytona. <laughs> I can see the little yellow above the. Uh, <laughs> and like he walks what up with doing? his hands in his pockets and he just like tests it. Well, here's the thing: if that's Daytona, like those cars are so aero sensitive. His foot gets hung up in there, rips a quarter panel off. No. Could well, lose his leg. Here's yeah. the thing. Lose a quarter panel. I think he tore some ligaments in his knee. <laughs> the, way it, the way it bent. Like, that is not. Oh that my was not God. safe. Imagine yeah. being the person sitting there getting it on video. That's. But, <laughs> yeah. Let me, 
Let me ask you this. Do you ever, like... <laughs> what a I dumbass. Feel like, I feel like everyone gets that urge to do something like, <laughs> like that. It's just most of us have the impulse control not <laughs> well, to do that. You said I did it once. I'm going to yeah. do it again. Wow. I mean, that... Because that didn't, like... That didn't suck his leg up. That went up and, like... It dislocated his hip straight. Hyperextended his knee. It kicked his leg out straight so fast. It's like it's like a jumping action. Yeah. He just flew out of the screen. Man, and who knows what he like landed in? Because there's probably like you know, gas cans, like a stack of tires. Yeah, seventeen. Ca- yeah. seventeen walks over. Like, why is it, what happened to dent in the side of this car? There's there's another car, another crew that he just basically took out, like a bowling ball. Yeah. We got to try to find that guy and get him on the podcast. <laughs> We do you have. Think he's still, do you? You can't see who it is because he's wearing a hat. And I mean, somebody's got to know. Oh, I got I, enough friends that used to work at MWR. They, yeah. I'm sure they. Hey, remember that guy? Oh, I'm. Yeah, I that, that was guy. Terry Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Terry. We might do a Corey story. Yeah. <laughs> he had to get his leg amputated from the knee down. Oh, uh, I, if that knee, happened, I would feel bad. But. Youngest knee replacement in yeah. NASCAR. Yeah. Man, to me, that's like looking at like hot lava. Though there's like part of me that wants to put my hand in the lava. Yes, I can only see but. your hands, right? So whenever whenever <laughs> Chuck talks, it's like a like a maestro. Just man, yeah. you, you know what else was being orchestrated? Was that twenty two car flipping like a damn matchbox car? That yes. was wild. Crazy. How about the in car camera for Bubba? Oh, I would have changed my underwear, which I think he said he did. Good Bro. thing he's got an underwear sponsor. Yeah, PSD. Use code word. I don't know, hashtag Bubba or something probably. Get some Bubba drawers. Now, hang on. Okay, perfect topic. Let's cover this because I want your – So, wait, are we going Bubba then wreck? Uh, Yes, Bubba. Okay, all right. Because Bubba is the hot topic. Yeah, I saw it on Twitter. Uh, Well, I wasn't going to necessarily talk about his thread, but his Twitter thread was in reference to getting shit from fans about declining an interview. Which, but did he decline it or did he not know? Combination of both. Because combination of both. Because Jeff starts talking to him. Time out, Jeff. He can't hear you. You don't have a Bluetooth hookup to his but, Beats. But dude. they're pumping it through. Everybody else can hear, and you could hear the you could hear the reverb on the broadcast, which it was a little bit awkward. on the PA system. Yes, on the PA system. Now, why would they have not given him a heads up? Like, hey, man. I mean, you, they they did stick a mic in his face. Yes. I mean, that's a pretty big indicator. Like, but normally they ask you, yeah. hey, do you want to be on here? Apparently he's in the zone. Probably listen to his music. <laughs> that sort of music that he listens to. Getting him zoned in. It's generally, you go to the PR first and be like, hey, can we come talk to your driver? And then yeah, the PR but live, well, live TV hang on. I know it's different. I got to stick up for my buddy. He was on the other side of this car. Almost in the infield grass or whatever. The he was. He was kicking field. the grass when he was. He's kicking he, the grass. I was two star, two cars behind him. He's in his deal. Give him a little head nod. Sup, dog. Good luck. You know, we know, yeah. you know, all that. He don't want to talk to nobody. No. I get it. TV wants to talk to him because he's the show. He's got the deal. He's got the Netflix show. He's, you know, he's Bubba Wallace right now. Everybody wants to talk to Bubba. And he denies. He just kind of gives it like a, mm, No. He waves at Jeff and says, "Give the give the guy a little bit of space, yeah, and don't judge something that you don't know the full context of, guys." But I mean, we need you know there are white hats and black hats, good guys and bad guys. Yeah, why not have? Why not play the part of of you know the antagonist? The antagonist. Why not make it interesting? Yeah, but even Who, w- even with that, like. 
you, like you said, the full story, we don't know if Fox went to his PR and asked first. So we don't know. Like, it could be that Jeff just went. It don't matter at the end of the day anyways. But I mean, they're there to race. They're yeah. there to race. That's And I'm, I w- that was the point I was getting to is like, look, he's in the zone. Some guys get in the zone in different ways, right? Yeah. Like, you're getting ready to go 200 miles an hour. Yeah. And, and by the way, you also know going in that Daytona or Talladega, knock on wood, are the two places where you hug the wife a little bit tighter when you leave yeah. the house because there's a good chance if something gets out of shape, you might not come home. Everywhere yeah. else, you don't really worry. Daytona, Talladega, you pull the belts a little tighter for there. But carry on, Chuck. And Bubba has done a lot of media. Yes. Like, a lot of media. Yes. What is what is he going to say in that 30-second interview that you have not heard Bubba say before? Yeah. You know? So, I, I like... I, I saw all the stuff that was posted and I was like, I'm I'm team Bubba on this. Like, dude, do your thing. I could care less either way. I mean now, you bring up an interesting point about the white hat and the black hat. If I think if Bubba wants to lean into the black hat stuff, have at it. Go because it. I mean he's the, getting unfortunately he's getting booed more than anybody else right now. Yeah, but So I mean, lean into it. Own it. Earnhardt got booed. Kyle Busch gets booed. And those dudes, I mean, Earnhardt's got 70-some wins. Kyle Busch has over 50. Yeah. And at the end of the day, when they pull up to their, you know, nice house and their nice car and, mm. you know, their super hot wives, <laughs> I mean, you don't care. Who who cares what somebody's yelling at you from a, from across the straightaway behind a fence? And don't know you from – Who from, cares? Michael Jordan's writing his paycheck. Yeah. Get out of here. I don't I don't know if MJ's actually writing his Well, you know what I mean, name. but like – Fair I would enough. still. It's still tough though. Like it, even it, even if you can say it doesn't matter to you if you hear a boo, like it I, does. You're I, a human being. Yeah. You like you want people to like you. Yeah, that's gonna Deep get down, to you I for think. sure. And then Bubba had this interesting Twitter thread last night that I read. Did you read it, Chuck? I read a good bit of it. Yes. Okay. Did you read it? No, I did not. I don't know if I know how to read. Do I know how to read, Charles? <laughs> you do, kind of, but yeah. it's never. You, you really need pictures to really explain it. Hotel yeah. um, <clears throat> phonics would be nice. You know, and he was. I don't want to. I, I don't want to botch it. Go read it word for word if you if you want to see it. But it was really just recapping. He was a little bit depressed. He's been outspoken about his depression. How he deals with it. He deals with it through music. He had music going on his headphones. He was trying. You know, he is there to work. Yeah. So he is getting in the zone per Chuck's point, to go 200 miles an hour and compete on the racetrack to deliver for his partners and fans and the sport. He's listening to music, and then they jam a microphone in your face, which nobody has had a microphone jammed in his face more than Bubba Wallace this year, or for the last 16 months, rather, probably. So the guy declines one interview four minutes before the national anthem, and you want to just bury the guy in negativity. Well, Give matter. the guy a damn break. It doesn't matter what he does right now, anyway. Somebody's gonna That's somebody's true. gonna find. And Twitter is a cesspool, and it's uh, going to snowball no matter what mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. He could have done the interview. Mm-hmm. The same people fussing mm-hmm. about him not doing the interview would have fussed about something he said when he did the interview. Oh yeah, doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he should care what anybody thinks. Bubba, about him. keep. I know you're not listening, but keep being you. <laughs> keep being you, dog. To the wreck. To Shut the wreck. Which his in car of the wreck, which got us on this yes. tangent, was unreal, yeah. dude. Um, I think that was part of why Joey's been a little bit, uh, his feathers have been a little bit ruffled because he feels like 
he could have been in the same position as Ryan Newman mm-hmm. had his car been a different angle, had his had Bubba hit him a little bit different thing. That's a that's f- a foot that's in one direction. Could have been the difference. Yeah. But thankfully it wasn't. So Stenhouse pushes the eleven. The eleven tries to almost make a move and then he gets hooked back into the twenty two. And then ultimately twenty two gets upside down, which it's never good when a thirty six hundred pound vehicle is flying like a matchbox car, you just take from your kid's hand and throw it back into the toy bin. That's how, dude, I was like the back of that pack, kind of like just doing our deal, riding around, doing nothing. And when that thing took flight, I was like, holy moly. Dude, I mean, it literally looks like iRacing. I was watching it from turn, the exit of turn four. Yeah. And it looked like it was in slow motion. Yeah. Like it just, it didn't seem real from where I was that you could see the car and I, I shouldn't have seen a car where it was. I was hanging out with him last night a little bit and just like, he was like, oh, I've never really flipped before. Granted, he flipped at Dover, but like that was different. That was like a, you know, collect and then a couple of slow tumbles down the bank. And this one was like his first speedway flip. And he said when he, when he's looking out the windshield at the asphalt going by and it's just dead quiet, he goes, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> and he's like, oh, I guess we're going to be done. So when he flips, the car lands on, like, the left side of the halo bar, which is right above your head. Now, if you look, if you are on Joey's Instagram, he posted a picture of the damage of the car, which I'm sure probably NASCAR didn't appreciate because they usually try to keep that stuff kind of internal. Joey says, "Uh uh-uh, posting it to the world. The bar with the rail bar padding was pushed up against his helmet, wedging his head up against the headrest. So, not good. One, they added a bar behind that particular bar, which they called the Ryan Newman bar. Like, I think there's like three or four bars in the car that were called Ryan Newman bars at this juncture. But that didn't affect it because it's behind, like kind of around the oil tank. Um, So Joey is uh, being an advocate for speedway racing safety at the moment. We'll see what, what pans out after that. But it's never good when a car just by its own weight like disforms the chassis to where a he couldn't get out of the race car because the window net bar is attached to the that top bar that got pushed in so the bar was bent so much they had to cut the window net to get him out um so if he would have been on fire he would have been in bad shape but good thing he wasn't and there's that is that yeah which that's it's one of those things with speedway racing right like, it is the greatest thing that you can ever witness as a fan, but also the most terrifying thing you can witness um, because it can go wrong like that. Yeah. Like, it is, like, to me, that is the most exciting form of racing to watch as a fan. Like, I'm always on the edge of my seat. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I've been thinking about this, and Joey, we were talking about last night. Could we... Pick our favorite era or package of of drafting package. Chuck, you go first. Uh, See, this is tough. Like, I'll uh, go first. Yeah, go. Aaron, go first. I'll say whatever they were running around. Oh, oh two, oh three, oh four, oh five. Okay. Only because the cars screamed. Those things were. I mean. Yeah. Demotes, high pitched. Yeah, I mean, just screaming around there, mm-hmm. and the racing was really good as well. Um, <clears throat> but a little bit looser packs. 
A um, little bit looser. I mean, you know, you got... But the tracks weren't repaved. They weren't smooth. Cars moved around a lot. Uh, everybody had to run the same rear springs. I think there were 400s. So well, they had there, a ride height rule, which I yeah. mean, you guys have a ride height rule super speedways? No, right? dog. So On the deck, and they drive like dog shit. Well, they, they also, I mean, when you see them like going through tech, you know, the front sits up a little bit higher than the rear anyways when they're at, not at mm. speed. So it kind of looks like these dudes rolling around <laughs> here with the Carolina squad or whatever it is with the like a dog that's in trouble as a tail. Well, dog. they look like that. They look, they have the uh, appearance of that. They're not back is low, but they're lower. They're lower than like an intermediate car. Well, their tail, the tail pan off makes it run, look like yeah. it's dragging. But yeah, the splitter. I mean, you literally run solid bump stops in the front and like a four thousand pound spring in the rear. It looks like you take it off a train. So, so I'll and I'll go. I'll go with my favorite speedway package. I loved unpopular opinion tandem. The tandem. I, I think I've yeah. said it before. I, dude, it was awesome. We had some crazy finishes with that, especially Talladega. Dude, there was four first, wide, too first, deep. First yeah. Talladega race. I'm pointing at you guys over there. First Talladega race that I ever went to was that Jimmy Johnson win. Three by three to the line. When Junior, Junior was yeah. pushing Junior yeah. Look, and, you know, we can have the conversation of who's the greatest all-time at super speedways or whatever, but that tandem package, I feel like Junior was the best pusher, period. You know why we don't do – you know why they stopped doing it? Because Junior did not like it. So if Junior doesn't like it, the fans definitely don't like it. And therefore, oh, man, we got to do something about this tandem package. Snip it. Junior doesn't like it. Cut it. I would also say, and this might be an unpopular opinion, but the late 80s, early 90s, like that just – there's something about that era in those cars. Now, the, the trouble with that era – Explain what Explain what you're – are you talking about low downforce – Mechanical grip, guys are just hanging on for dear life. Yeah, so you can't really push. You, like, yeah, it's, yeah, they're moving around. Like it just looks, just mm-hmm. it looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Now yeah. the flip side to that is that is an era that is was a an extremely unsafe time mm. for speedway racing. Um, and are we discounting the current era right now? Like, could we say that the, the era that we're in right now is as a fan is fantastic? Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong the, with it. the racing yeah. from from Martinsville. To Talladega, and arguably across the board, it is good is as good as it's ever been. You can talk about a little, little downforce and this and that, and more horsepower. It passes the eye test, which I think NASCAR is wanting to pat, to check the box of the eye test. And I think for so the echo chamber that is social media, one person says something and it just snowballs. Mm-hmm. I think the majority of people don't care what tapered spacer you have in the car. They don't care how high the car is off the ground. You know, say what you will about grass and splitters and this, that, and the other. They, as long as they're seeing cars on the racetrack and competitive close racing, they don't, they don't care. The other stuff is for the the people who like to get in the weeds yeah. to enjoy, just to know. But well, a lot of people that get in the weeds don't really know what they're talking about. Well, exactly. <laughs> so. Stay out of the weeds, guys. Stay in the short grass. You know who uh, didn't stay in the weeds this week? Who did not stay? That was Brad Keselowski because he got the win. He did, and we're going to be talking to him back here on the show. Talking to his talking to his uh, front tire changer first, who put the right front and left front tire on that car all day to make it so fast. We're going to talk to him. Ryan Flores, Pit Road Boats and Woe, stand by. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. 
<sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. It's time for Pit Road Boats and Woes with a winner, winner, chicken, dinner, front tire change of Ryan Flores. Hey. Hey. You won't win it on pit road, but you can lose it there, and we want it, so that's good. There's well, Bradley a, doing his thing. Bradley, who, by the way, ties all active drivers with six, wins at Talladega. That's pretty impressive. Uh, how was your day overall? Obviously pretty good. It was good. You know, the, I, it's so nice to have a group of guys. Like, we, like us five guys together, especially with our road crew and everything, we all mesh really well. So it makes races like this where – situational awareness is is key you know makes it way easier we don't come down pit road and not have a plan we we have uh we have an idea of what's going on we all work together pretty well at it nothing ever really gets confused that's where you see a lot of guys really uh really lose the draft or or, or lose a lot of track position with penalties or, or not all being on the same page so we executed well um and we, and we uh put him in position there at the end he, he was he pitted for four tires there late he felt like it was a handling race and uh, and Ellie made he made up for for that late pit call and uh, and drove to the front and won a race. Newsflash: Brad's pretty good at speedways. Um, well, we had several woes on pit road. Denny Hamlin being one who sped twice on pit road back to back. Actually, sped on pit road getting into his for a green flag stop, turned around and sped during the serving the penalty. I believe that's a stop and go. I'm not sure if he did or not. Uh, but why is speeding up pit road so relevant uh, from your point of view? Because I can explain from the driver's point of view why it's so easy to do. But why do you think everybody wants to speed on pit road at Talladega? So a little bit a little bit of it goes back to what we talked about last week, right? Everybody's maximizing that rolling time. We saw it win Danny Hamill in the race off pit road last week being two, three tenths better than Joey, you know, maximizing his time. You're pretty much minimizing your time on pit road from the time you cross the, the yellow line to get on pit road to the time you get back to uh, cross the yellow line at the end of pit road. So you're trying to maximize that all the time. Where you see it at Talladega and Daytona that you know all too well about is actually getting to that line from the time you're going 205 mile an hour to you're going 60 mile an hour and, and the time in between getting there. I know that one time you made up 
uh, a lot of time getting there this week, and you've also had to dump it and smash it in the fence doing that in yes. your career. But there's a lot there, and, and Denny didn't get woed up in time. Um, another thing that happened with him was he stopped deep in his box, and I, I think there was a lot of talk about where his splitter was in, in correlation to the line. So when you have concrete pit boxes, they have a black and a white line. So his his splitter, if you're on that line and you service the car, it's a one lap penalty, right? Right. But he was bad. He was just on the fine line of, of where he could be. But that black line does not count for anything at, at racetracks where you see that the black line is simply just there, so you can see the white line better on the concrete. Let me so uh, so even though it was a, a close call, he was. Let me back up a little bit. Let me back up a little bit and explain why it's so hard and why you do see so many penalties guys trying to get on pit road in a speedway race the brakes that the teams put on the cars is say it there they put lighter rotors a little bit smaller outside diameter but narrower for rotating mass to try to shed some out they also put on four piston calipers that are almost as small as you could possibly get to physically just stop the car if there's a crash but there is a significant difference uh on the stopping pressure and the power of a speedway car versus obviously a martinsville car so when you're out there running, like you just said, 200, 205 miles an hour in the pack, and you try to commit to pit road, the way the rear ends are set up in these cars, they start wheel hopping real bad on like a road course. And you, you A, there's a couple of different factors not working against you. A, small rotors and small limited braking pressure. And when it starts wheel hopping, it's hard to get it back because there's the so stiff in the rear uh, of the cars. Uh, that's why, because you run, I don't know, four or 5,000 pound right rear springs at a place like Talladega anymore. So it has literally no weight on the right rear tire of the, of the car. When the, all the nose, when the balance shifts to the front and you're trying to get the thing well down, it is a handful. Uh, so you, obviously you saw the 47 get turned coming down pit road when everybody tries to commit. So there's lots of things going on at once, which is why we see a lot of mistakes being made on pit road. Multiple woes. We also saw what's there's something going on with – math of how much fuel can be put in these things to get to the very end. And we saw that bite, the 23 and the 18, they had to give their track position late because they didn't put enough fuel in it. Yeah, there's there's a little bit there that goes into making it to the end. And then when you start to see caution comes out, then you got to make your green-white checkered, right? So I think that was a little bit of something we factored. And we were good with for one green-white checkered. But Brad felt like tires were important. We came in and topped off. So then you're better because we've seen them races go – Going to three three green and white checkers, easy, right? When you lose track position, though, it's just better to come in and top it off. Yeah. And you got to understand when we do these pit stops, it is not a – there's no fact of a, a gas gauge or anything. You're weighing a gas can on a scale. That's what you're doing. And you're trying to figure out if you got it full by how much you weigh on that scale. And then, hell, if you're – fuel head sticks open or you spill too much on the ground, you can't weigh that. It's gone. So you're trying to guess. So there is not a thousand percent accurate math going on there. We're just doing it all for past experience and our, and our educated guests. Yeah. So you miss it sometimes. You, well, you really do. And and for people who don't know, there is no gas gauge in the car. It does not give you a little flack, flesh and light on your overhead on head display. It says you have two miles left. It does not say that it goes off strictly fuel pressure. And if you either have it or you don't, um, but I wanted to go back to Brad because you listened to him. You listened to Coleman Presley, his spotter. What do you think 
makes Brad such a good speedway racer compared to some of his other competitors? Experience is one, right? He has he has a lot of experience, and he's he's very smart, very calculated. He thinks about it a lot. He knows he knows uh, when to bail, and he knows what line to be in um, to to make guys that don't want to work with them have to work with them. I think we saw that with the twenty four at the end, right? The twenty four had no choice but to push us to the win. Um, he was boxed in. Brad Brad put him in a position where he was boxed in. But it comes down to just like anything in the sport how hard you want to work at it. Right. And there's no spotter on the roof. And we know this, we know this well, that that works harder than Coleman Presley. He's been a buddy of ours forever, but, but he puts the work in, he puts the time in and, and Brad, Brad is really good at as analyzing the data and watching the, uh, watching the races, knowing where he needs to be. And he's got a pretty badass pit crew, you know? That's right. I mean, I think that, I think the pit crew is what differentiates it, but we're talking to Brad Maybe. in the show here later. What are some, what's something I can ask him? Coming from his front is does he stop a little bit too long in the box? Does he not lock his right front tire up when he needs to? What can I ask Brad to put him on the spot? Brad, Brad's a Brad's a pro there. Um, he he is. I, I think we have some some grades for people getting in the box, and we looked at him here at the end of the first quarter, and I think he had only had one um, that was that was not an A uh, for getting in the box. Uh, I think that. I don't really know what to ask Brad. You know that if you if you ask Brad a good question, you're going to get a long-winded answer, and it's probably not going to be the answer you expected. But uh, but I think there's definitely a fire a fire lit under Brad. Um, and, and I know what happened with us in Phoenix last year. I felt like we give it we gave up that that championship on pit road, and we're doing we're putting in all the work we can to get back there and put him in a position to win it. So I know that that's it. that's our all of our ultimate goals. We we took the first step to that this weekend. With uh, with winning and getting some playoff points and getting locked into the playoffs, but uh, but now it's just winning as many races as we can, getting as many playoff points as we can, and putting ourselves in a position to be in Phoenix. That's it. I mean, and, and he's a free agent, guys. I mean, maybe he'll break some news on the show. Stacking pennies where all big news is broken. Who knows? He ain't going nowhere. <laughs> he's staying here. Who knows? I don't know. I heard some rumors. Maybe so. Maybe nope. not. Might be going. Might be staying. Nope. Well, there you have it. Pit road boats and woes with. Winning front tire changer of the two, Ryan Flores. Thanks again, buddy. Thanks. I'm going to do squats, man. Hope you guys have the best uh, Tuesday of your life. There you go. Do you do too. a couple max sets. I will do. I won't be able to walk tomorrow. I'll <laughs> see you later. See you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. 
And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. All right, guys, very special guests I have with us today. Big winner, winner, Brad Kozlowski. How are you doing? Good, man. You know, whenever you're, you come off a win, life is good. Things are good. I mean, family's good. I, I cannot complain one bit. Well, we had the real winner of the weekend, Ryan Flores, on earlier. And <laughs> he said he single-handedly won the race for the two-car this week. So what do you have to say about that? Every person counts. That's what it's <laughs> all about. So you do you, Flores. No, he, he did not say that. Actually, I, he did not say that. He gave you a lot of credit for what you and Coleman do. Uh, it's no secret that now you have won seven times at Talladega Motor Speedway, but you and Coleman seem to like put more effort than a lot of the other, I guess, driver spotter duos and how you study is I, I know you don't want to tell all of our listeners a stack and pennies your secret, but what are some things that you and Coleman do work on that feels like differentiates you and allows you to get towards the front of these speedway races? Well, you know, honestly, Corey, it's just a cover story. So we can go hang out and drink some beer and our wives don't get mad at us, but uh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't let that out. I won't. Uh, <laughs> But no, I mean, we're, we're trying to be the best we can be. And mostly I, I make a lot of mistakes and you're going to make mistakes in anything you do in life. And I, I don't think that the, the test of a man or a team is whether or not you make mistakes. I think the test is whether you make them twice. And so you just try to learn from the mistakes you've made. And, you know, I, I've made a lot of them and I think he helps me kind of find them and, and work through them. He's done a great job. I'm really proud of Coleman. And Coleman's old buddy of mine, so it's cool to see him him have some success with you on the roof. Now, the common topic, which nobody likes to talk about, has been your free agency status. You're <laughs> on a one-year deal this, last year, on a one-year deal this year, you're obviously one of the elite guys that we have in the Cup Series, winning multiple times a year. Is that on your mind? Um, I'm sure it's on your mind consistently but when you strap the helmet on is there a different way that you would go about races versus if with some security with it without yeah i mean there's it's always on your mind whether you want to admit it or not i mean it's it becomes subconscious i think at some point and um you know i i, I can't sit here and tell you that i i have a conscious reaction to it i mean it's but i, I think it, it's probably uh, more obvious for family members around me it, I know it's part of the reason why Daytona stung so much, you know, not winning there is, you know, I, I guess I kind of felt like if I won Daytona, the contract stuff would be, you know, just a, a formality, but maybe that's a little bit naive, but uh, you know, it, it does kind of, kind of get to you a little bit. And um, you know, ultimately I've kind of come to peace with knowing that if I do the right things that it'll take care of itself, but, um, it, it certainly harbors back there somewhere. Well, and there's there's not many guys you can put on the list of guys who consistently contend for cup wins, and your name is on the short list. So I don't think you're going to be worried too much about finding a nice cozy seat to snuggle into next year. Hopefully it's in the two-car. Back to Talladega because now the hot topic, I was on Sirius earlier. We've got Joey on Good Morning America. The Speedway drafting package uh, – is it good? Is it bad? Adam Stern comes out with the TV numbers. Apparently, 4.8 million people watched it. That's a lot of people. So why do you think 
people tune in to watch the speedways and why do you think the drivers are fairly up in arms about how dangerous it is well you know i in my shop here i've got some people that work for me that you know don't really know a lot about racing and tell day is one of the races they tune in for they love the action wink wink they also love the wrecks you know right. it's part of it it's spectacular uh but it's dangerous especially when the cars fly and there's a balancing act there i think ultimately as drivers we sign up for risk and um you know there's always going to be that there and it's unrealistic for us to expect nascar to remove it all but when the cars go flying, that risk really graduates from being just the drivers to, you know, also kind of encompassing the, the those that work at the track and those that attend the track as fans. And that's, I think, where the line has to be. We, we cannot have flying cars uh, because we, you know, we got steering wheels, we got gas pedals, we got brake pedals. What we don't have is, you know, rudders and, <laughs> you know, yeah. engines. Yeah, and the thrust engines that we can land that thing safely. So. When it comes up, there ain't no town where it's going to come down. So I think we have to be really careful that we cannot afford a moment where a car gets into the grandstands and, and or, or parts of it do and, and uh, something really awful happens. So, uh, you know, I think, Corey, that's that's a clear line for us as a sport. And no question, you got to try the, the cars drive a heck of a lot better with the rubber side down than they do up. But I there's like this thing and you and I wanted to ask you specifically because you have driven almost every single package, if you will. And I'm tired of hearing about packages over the last 12 hours uh, in media. But we we flipped cars upside down with the tandem. We flipped cars with short spoilers and no horsepower. We flipped cars with big spoilers and a lot of horsepower and everywhere in between from one side to the other. So what are some things in your professional opinion can do to mitigate cars getting upside down? Well, I don't think there's anything that will completely eliminate it, but you can, you know, reduce the odds. Um, you know, I, I hate to say slow the cars down, but the reality is these cars will fly backwards at around 170 mile an hour, you know, and they're running 200. Uh, now, generally speaking, when they spin out, they shed 20, 30 mile an hour and, and, you know, then it becomes a math problem, but not always. Sometimes they spin out and, they're still going 175, 180, and guess what? That baby's going to take off like an airplane. Yeah. Uh, closer you can be that number, the better. Also, the higher you can raise that takeoff speed. So, you know, most airplanes take off at about 170 mile an hour. Ironically, so does a race car going backwards. <laughs> um, so anything you can do to make that thing, you know, not want to fly at such a, I, I say a low speed, 170 mile an hour, but it is relative to aviation. Anything you can do to get that thing to where it doesn't start to fly till 185, 190, that's a big game. Uh, so those are some of the things that, that interest me, uh, you know, maybe making the cars go a little slower and then getting that takeoff speed a little bit higher. Uh, I think all those things would be really good for us. You keep using these airplane analogies. Granted, you're sitting in your manufacturing plant up there in states from North Carolina. Give people a little bit behind the scenes of what, who may people may not know, what your, I guess, side project, which is mm. your main project, racing is your hobby. You have another business, which which is what? Yeah, it's my side hustle. I think it's yeah. a, a side hustle. Yes, yeah, so I, I own a business uh, in North Carolina called Kozlowski Advanced Manufacturing. We do really advanced metal 3D printing, and uh, we make stuff that, you know, gets used one time and goes really high in the sky. Um, you know, sometimes it falls in the ocean, sometimes it, it, it doesn't. Um, so a lot of it's 
it's really kind of locked down secret stuff, but it's really cool stuff. And, and I, I love the challenge and uh, it's exciting to me. Have you ever met Elon Musk? I have not, but I, uh, you know, ironically, I was, um, you know, probably 12 years ago, I bought one of the first Teslas and I pulled into the dealership and uh, he was just coming out. And as I was talking to the dealer attendant or whatever you call the car salesman person there, like, oh yeah, that's, uh, you know, Elon Musk, he owns the company. And, you know, at, at that time I was, I don't know, 24, 25 years old. I was like, yeah, whatever. I want to see the car. <laughs> but I was that interested and over time it's kind of, you know, obviously he's done some great things and it's more interesting to me, but um, I missed my, my shot there, I guess. Man, I had, I got the best story of that Tesla and you might not remember, but I'm about to jog your memory. It was Coke 600 weekend. Everybody loves the Coke 600 because you know what? You can just get in your car and 10 minutes later, you can leave half an hour before practice starts and you're there before practice. You can jump yep. in and go. I pull, I got my 2006 Lincoln pickup, get on 485. This little black Tesla carbon fiber wrap passes me. I look over, I said, man, that looks like Brad. And I get like your windows were tinted and there was like this hint of like the Miller light logo. And I said, there is no way this son of a bitch is wearing his fire suit. Driving <laughs> <laughs> and sure enough, I gassed the old Lincoln up. You were scooting pretty good. So I pull up next to you and you're going window down. I'm like, are you wearing your fire suit to the racetrack? Sure enough, man. You just woke up in the morning, took a shower and put your, put your work clothes on, drove to work. Damn right. You know, I, what I didn't want to do is get dressed twice. That didn't seem efficient. So I just put on my uniform said, all right, off to work I go. At least I wasn't wearing my helmet. Although I do have some friends that have done that before. I always thought it'd be kind of weird. Like if I ever get in a car accident and, and God willing that this never happens, but ever get in a car accident, I bump my head and die. Wouldn't it be awful if I had a really cool racing helmet sitting right next to me that I wasn't wearing at the time? Yeah. That would, that would be pretty, that'd be like a terrible obituary. Like Brad Kozlowski dead car accident on the side of the road. He had his helmet with him. Wasn't wearing it. Even more ironic if that helmet came and hit you in the head, giving you a concussion that ended. Yeah. Yeah. So those things have my mind. Every once in a while, I thought, hmm, maybe I should wear it, but I hadn't gone that far yet. Well, good thing if that Tesla engine would have kept motor, would have caught on fire, you'd have been in good shape that day on the way to the yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was ahead of the curve. My man. Hey, before you leave, we play a little game every week with our, with our usually big winners. Uh, it's a little game of would you rather. Would you rather, and I have none of these prepared, so these are going to come off the hip, so bear with me. <laughs> Would you rather, <laughs> they, one usually can like contain some sort of racetrack food, so I'll go with that one first. Would you rather eat no, nothing for a week but Martinsville hot dogs or uh, drink racetrack lemonade? Pick one oh, or the no, other. Number two, racetrack lemonade. I Hands love racetrack lemonade. Mm -hmm. uh, there you go. That was probably an easy one. Um, number two, would you rather go to space, uh, or would you rather go to the bottom of the ocean? Space, hands down. Bottom of the ocean, scary creatures. Some always trying to eat you. At least space, if you die, it's a quick, probably painful death, but quick. I just don't want to be ate by another creature. Do, and this isn't a would you rather. Do you believe in aliens? Here's the problem with aliens. All right. I want to believe they exist. I, I do. I, I'm like 
X-Files, I want to believe. The problem is, is, you know, you can find a camera footage for about darn near anything that is in HD and you can, you know, pick everything out on it. But then somehow, ironically, whenever there's a picture of a spaceship, right, it's like a grainy picture from 1962. And you're like, well, it kind of looks like a UFO, but I don't know. So what's up with that? Does uh, Keselowski Advanced Manufacturing make any parts for UFOs? Probably. Yeah. Honestly, I, I don't really even know. I make a lot of stuff. That's kind of sketchy. Confidential. Last one. All right. If you had to pick one race car and one racetrack to race at for the rest of your life, what is it? One race car, one racetrack, rest of my life. Ooh. Dang. There are some tracks that are just more fun than others. There's no way around that. But it's super hard to pick one above another. Um, I like Richmond a lot. Always have. Uh, Richmond would get old every weekend of the rest of your life. I probably could do Richmond, yeah. Um, I like Loudon a lot, especially before they put the PJ1 down. Uh, Watkins Glen, oh, yeah. That track is awesome. With the boot or without the boot? No boot. Okay. Nominate. I, that, that boot stuff, that's... Yeah, you're an American. Yeah, that's the non-Americans. Um, I don't know. So I, I would say those three probably stand out the most. Although, I, I mean, I do like Daytona and Talladega, but um, so don't take anything against it. I like Martinsville a lot. Are right, you I, too many options. Pick one, man. Ah, damn. Doesn't have to be a cup car. Could be F1 car. Could be a... All yeah, no, I like what I do. I'll tell you what. Top of my mind, one racetrack, rest of my life and career. I'm going to go with one I haven't said yet. Darlington. Ooh, that's a good one. Cup car, Darlington. Up against the fence, just digging. That could be fun. Something I like about that, Darlington always changes. Could be day, could be night, moving around, top to bottom. Lady in black, and there you have it. Big winner from this week, Brad Kozlowski. Thanks for jumping on Stacking Penny. Thanks, Super Shoe. Two winners on the show. Jam-packed. But it's time for my favorite. Heads or tails, Merriman. We got a couple good ones. We have had nine winners in the first ten races, the only repeat winner being Martin Truex Jr. Who is the next winner going leading into Kansas in the Bushy McBush Bush Series race at Kansas? Well, I, I think we're going to have a repeat winner at Kansas, but if I had to pick somebody who's got the best shot, I think uh, I'm going to take the nine of Chase Elliott. Ooh. I think his teammate Kyle Larson wins, but – but I, that's what I asked you. I asked you who's going to win. <laughs> you said who's the next first-time winner. Uh, actually, I did. Yeah. So you're taking the nine. I'm Do taking. You think Hendricks is going? Hendrick is going to bring the juice this weekend. Yeah. Rick Hendrick. Hang on, hang on. Can I just tickle a little, little something I heard this weekend? Sure. As to what the failure was in the five. Yeah. Yeah, they left the 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 heater plate in the front. It wasn't a heater plate. I think it was either cardboard or something yeah. of packing. To, was, so guys, okay. To, to people who don't uh, know how a radiator setup is in a NASCAR. <laughs> you just love it when that's, I say that. Well, but that's, only, I mean, only because people, I mean, it literally makes people angry. For no reason. What do you mean? It's NASCAR. It's NASCAR, just, huh? Yeah, real NASCAR. Ha- having fun doing it. Yeah. 
making them lose their mind. Yeah, it's called a NASCAR, hey, you're, guys. You're like mind control over there. I'm uh, rent free, rent free living in their heads. Okay, radiator up against the ductwork, right? The oil cooler is attached to the back, a separate unit, but it's sandwiched. There's like no gap in between which, right? So I don't want to assume who put this thing together or what the process is, but when the five car took off, water temp was where it was supposed to be, 210, 215. They usually run the Speedway motors fairly cool. Oil, red line, over 300, first lap of the race. Uh-oh, we got an issue. Come in, cool it down. Cool down, obviously, is not going to do anything because that's only the water. Go back out there. Oil went sky high, blew it up. Come to find out, there was the, I don't know, either cardboard or something that wasn't taken off the oil cooler when it was put onto the back of the radiator, in which case air could not pass through the oil cooler, making it super hot. Ended Kyle Larson's day. So the way that they explained it on broadcast, which is what's, what you're saying makes more sense to me, is that they put basically a block-off plate in front of it to heat everything up. And like in the wintertime, my truck, I'll do the same thing because it's just it's got a mechanical fan that's fixed. It runs all the time to get heat in it. No. Put a piece of cardboard. But that no. makes more sense because, because it never puked water once on the, on the track. They don't put a warm-up plate there because you plug the oil up to like a 110 a plug. Yeah, yeah, you plug the generator up to the oil tank, and then you prime the oil on the oil pump. Makes sense. So you don't, like dirt cars, if you go to, you know, Lancaster Speedway on a Friday night, they will put a block-off plate in front of the radiator to warm it up Just because they don't tank. have an exterior heater. So you guys run, it's basically, you're able to do that because you have a dry sump. Yep, right. It's oil, not a wet sump, yeah. not a wet sump engine. Right. Back to heads or tails. So who's going to win? Is it going to be Larson or Elliott? So he, are you ta- which, I'm taking. Which? I'm saying the the best chance for a first time winner. I'm going to take Elliott, okay. but I think Larson's probably going to win the race. Okay, uh, Blue Mountain takes. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the 11. He's been knocking on the door. Don't let one bad week at Talladega got up caught up in something that wasn't his doing. Take you take your sight off how strong Chris Gabehart and Denny have been. I'm going with the 11 at Kansas this weekend. Chuck 11 as well. Um, he's got three wins there. And I think that he's he's got a good shot at it. And he, like you said, he's knocking at the door. This is his week. Now, heads or tails, next one. I was going to give NASCAR a compliment because I thought that the next-gen bodies were the best-kept secret going. Can we, so, do, we get, do we cut this? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I don't <laughs> – I'm, I'm sure going to go ahead and stop you right there. Because I'm sure that they <laughs> yeah. do not like yeah. that. Yeah. Let's uh, – uh, what is the fifth that comes out? Um, yeah, the next fifth. week. Yeah. Um, so just go with that. Heads or tails? <laughs> I don't know now. I'm kind of thrown off. Um, Heads or tails? What is the worst race name ever that you could remember? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not Bushy McBush race because that's freaking awesome. I, like I will it. say some of, the, uh, some of the Brickyard races – Got super long, but for remember the remember the Crown Royal uh, yeah. races but, at Richmond. But they was well, that's that's the that it's Crown Royal that got the um. But they also like honored yeah. they honored soldiers. So yeah. I, the thing that made those weird is because it was like the Brickyard Four Hundred presented by Crown Royal in honor of yeah. So the race name was literally three sentences long. Yeah. Uh, 
Which having to do like a stand up with that, like a this year's Xfinity Series race, I thought was awesome. It's like the beef. It's what's for dinner. <laughs> yeah, three hundred, and then the trophy with these big ass tomahawk when, steaks down there. The Goodyear was warm. it Goodyear four hundred that's coming up. Yeah, like that's like I like the simple yeah. names like Bro, the Winston five hundred. I've got a I've got a throwback hat with the red or the yellow rope. I'm ready to rip the thing. You got out the there. eggs on the on the top. It's got the patch. It looks good. It looks now. It's not the Goodyear hat though, with like the blue mesh all the way around, where you like you can see your forehead from the front. I yeah. love those. I don't have one of those. I think it's like the year after they stopped making that. Give you a cool little carbon fiber print sunburn. Yeah, like a hydro dip in the forehead. <laughs> there. You, so I'm gonna say the bushy Mitch, McBush. <laughs> there it is. He, it, yeah, bushy, bushy McBush Mitch, race. Bushy McBush race 400 at Kansas Speedway. It probably is the most absurd name for a race I've ever heard. But next has your tails in a good way. In a good way, because people are gonna be like, "Oh yeah, Bushy McBush face, Bushy McBush." Hey, race. Larry, you watch that Bushy McBush? Race? Yeah, hell yeah, I got Bush light right here. Or the the <laughs> Crown Royal presents the Your Hero's Name Here 400 at the Brickyard, powered by Big Machine Records. <laughs> that's what I was talking about. <laughs> like, you know, in I I love the, the fact sentiment that, is perfect. And, yeah. and the videos that we did, the Crown Royal videos that we used to do for NASCAR.com back in the day, with that with the hero, like those were some awesome videos and but, cool to work on. But from your experience working with me, Chuck reporting on that race <laughs> having to get that race name right it's like it's the brickyard at the end of it you're like what the hell did i just say yeah well was you, it correct you you'd have to do like there's there's always that thing you have to say the full name of it so like you say the race name then you say the nascar uh there's been sprint cup series back back then the nascar sprint cup series at the indianapolis motor speedway for the crown royal presents your hero's name here 400 the brickyard powered by big machine records.com merriman could not do that my favorite my i think the my favorite name for a race is just the butt at the glen mm-hmm. butt at the glen yeah iconic uh, got rid of, like i think like old stp 500s goody 500s in martinsville those are good no butt at the glen bristol yeah. night race butt at the glen southern 500 yeah Anyway, Southern 500. Daytona yeah. 500. Yeah. Simple. Daytona 500. Mm, oh, great American race. All right. Next, heads or tails? Do you have one? Uh, I thought you had one. I do. Oh. How about we go to <laughs> Jackpot Races and everybody's chance to win 25 Gs this weekend in Kansas? Do you get to win Clint Boyer's Coleman Camper, too? Well, no. This is a different thing, but uh, I have a feeling that Clinton's <laughs> never camped in a Coleman Camper in the past no. 20 years. Hey, Clint, how you going to get home? I don't know. I ain't got no money. I ain't got no camper. I ain't got a truck to pull it either. <laughs> hey. uh, all right. So basically what Jackpot Races is, you can go download this Jackpot Races app. You'll see the little bar marks there in the app store. So uh, you got to pick the best finishers in individual groups. We'll just run through three of them here. So group one at Kansas. Larson, Hamlin, Elliott, Truex, Logano. Who are you taking? Mm, Logano. Mm. Okay. I mean, I know I picked the eleven earlier, yeah. but I'm gonna go. With, I'm gonna go up, Joey. All right, I'm taking. I'm taking Larson. Chuck, what you got? Hamlin. I'm sticking with my. I'm running what I brung. Yep. All right. Group two: Harvick, Kyle Busch, Blaney, Keselowski, Byron. I'm gonna go. With, uh, I think Blaney gets around there really good. He, he seems to always find his way to the front there, and he's got a Ryan Blaney Yeti. Only because I used to work with the glass case and it was free. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I'll free take Yetis. I'll take like yeah, free yeah. Yetis, man. Freddy's are great. I'm going to go uh Byron. All right. So group 3, Bowman, Bush, Bell, Dillon or Stenthouse? Stenthouse. Bowman. Bush. I'm going to have to agree with I'm going to 
Kyle Bush and the Bushy McBush race. Well, that's Kurt Bush. Ah, oh, Kurt Bush and the Bushy McBush race. Either Bush. I'll take a Bush brother in the Bushy McBush race because they've got the C. It just feels right. C. Yeah. It Chokes. just feels right. Now, tell people where they can go find that again. Jackpot races in the app store. If you see the little icon, it'll say jackpot races, but you'll see the bar mark there. So it's free, right? Free. You're Download. losing money. Not You're doing losing it. money and it's fun. You can talk crap. Tweet us about it. Yeah. There you go. All right, guys. Get comfortable. Grab a cup of coffee, cold beer, whatever you're drinking. Sit on back. Listen to Corey's stories. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to my sources for this week's Corey's Stories, Ken Martin and Zach Albert, who put a lot of this information together. Charging, Charlie Glotzback was one of the fastest drivers to ever compete in the Cup Series. And as his nickname might suggest, he could always be found going to the front. Next to Kale in the front row is Charlie Glotzback's Dodge. He ran exactly the same speed down to the last hundredth of a second. That's how he got his name. He stood on the gas, A.J. Foyt once said of Glotzback. Glotzback earned 12 poles and won four races in the Cup Series, driving for a who's who of Hall of Famers in his career, Junior Johnson and Cotton Owen among them. He was twice a runner-up in the Daytona 500. Glotzback made a couple of starts in the 1960 and 61 seasons as a 22-year-old. After limited success, he went back to ARCA, USAC, and other local series. The sport was still a regional southern sport at the time, and not always a welcoming place to folks who ain't from here. And the fact that Glotzback was from Indiana meant he was a bit of an outsider. Although his country draw may have helped him fit in. Charlie, it was a great race. What a last What happened? Well, the engine started overheating, and so uh, rather than blow it up, I just parked it. What happened here along the side? Well, me and uh, Baker kind of got tangled up uh, going in number one corner and uh, raked the wall a little bit. To quote Mr. Glossback, I'm from southern Indiana. You go on upstate about 200 miles north of me, they talk a lot different. Charging Charlie made his return to the Cup Series in 1967. Glossback got the opportunity to make a few starts in Bobby Isaac's backup car. Of his nine starts that season, four ended due to mechanical failures. His worst finish in the other five was eighth. The following season, he got a call from Cotton Owens to drive the number six Dodge after David Pearson made the move to Holman Moody and Ford. Glotzback scored his first win with Owens that fall at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Glotzback's 1969 season was among his most eventful. He lost the Daytona 500 by a car length pass on the final lap by Leroy Yarbrough. Leroy Yarbrough has the lead on Glotzback, and Charlie now will have to come down fast to the inside out of the number four turn. He'll try and slingshot him if he has room. And there's no room there. They come by, everybody standing and cheering. The checkered flag is out for Leroy Yarbrough. What a finish. A few months later at Talladega, Charging Charlie laid down one of his bravest qualifying laps, almost cracking 200 miles an hour at the circuit's newest super speedway. It was the biggest thrill of my career. It almost takes your breath away, Glotzback told the press after exiting his Ray Nichols owned Dodge. Glotzback won the pole but withdrew as a driver when he and others boycotted the inaugural race after tires failed to hold up under the high speed conditions. Richard Brickhouse took over the number 99 wing Dodge and drove it to victory. 1969 was eventful off the racetrack as well. Later in the year, Glotzback got into a disagreement after firing an employee from his trucking company. 
The argument resulted in a few broken ribs and Glotzbach getting shot twice. He returned to race in 1970 with one of the bullets still in his upper arm and won twice that year. When Junior Johnson and Richard Howard decided they wanted to bring Chevrolet back to the Cup Series in 1971, Glotzbach was selected as its driver. Charlie put the Chevy number three on the pole for its maiden voyage in the Coca-Cola 600 and led 87 laps. Two starts later, he won at Bristol, giving Chevy its first win since 1967, leading 411 of 500 laps, setting a race record speed that still stands to this day. Glotzbach continued to race off and on in the Cup Series with his last start coming in 1992 at Talladega Super Speedway. Two years later, he was among the 43 drivers who failed to qualify for the first Brickyard 400 at Indianapolis. He won four Arkham Menard Series races after turning 50. Three of those wins came at Talladega in 1990, 91, and 92. Charlie never competed in more than half the races in a given NASCAR season. But his career record of 50 top 10 finishes and 124 starts is pretty solid, even if he never ran for a championship. I'm proud to have run a NASCAR, Glotzbach said in 2011. I was proud just to do it. But I'm also proud of the races I won. Plus, I had a pretty good percentage of finishing in the top 5 or top 10 of the races I ran. Charging Charlie Glotzbach passed away last Friday. He was a fearless but humble competitor, and he will not be forgotten. Godspeed, Charlie Glotzbach. Thank you.